Isn't it amazing that we do have a love from our Father that no matter what it is that you may be going through, that you know that if we connect to that love today, it'll change everything. And that's the prayer. That's why we do church, because we come here to connect with each other and we come here to connect with him in such a love that it changes everything. That's what I'm praying that God will do today, this morning, through his word, that he would change us and transform us from the inside out, that we would connect with such a love that it changes everything. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we are so thankful for the kind of love that when you encounter it, it transforms everything. God, I pray that as we continue just in this series, Dinner with Jesus, that that's what would happen, that we would just be able to sit and meet with you, to be able to do life with you in a way that transforms us from the inside out. God, I pray that no person would leave this place without experiencing a new level of connection with you and a commitment to experience a new level of connection with the people that you've put around us. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, it's such an awesome series that we've been in. And each week, Pastor Kerry's really introduced a new table as we walk through this series, Dinner with Jesus. And I sit at a table right now because Jesus did so much of his life-changing teaching from a dinner table. As Pastor Kerry's really been looking at the last couple of weeks and is going to continue next week on some really awesome, incredible looks at the feast, the wedding feast of the lamb and the last supper, so don't miss it. It's been incredible. But Jesus would start at a dinner table and, and then it would really lead to something deeper. He would use the dinner table to teach deeper truths. He would use the dinner table to lead people to a deeper connection with him. You see, really, gathering around a table is a symbol of being connected in deep and rich relationships. <laughs> when four or five people sit around a table, the table is just the physical thing that connects us together. But Jesus showed us there is an unseen table that is the real table that connects us to strong and lasting relationships. It's the table of connection. You see, without the table of connection, you can't build a deep and lasting marriage or a strong and close family or rich and rewarding friendships. Jesus tells us the table of connection is really a command to love. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And let's look at the command that Jesus shared with his disciples and that he's sharing with each of us today. It's a command that has stood the test of time in John chapter 13, verse 34. It reminds us of this. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You may be seated. You see, Jesus says here, love one another like I love you. And how does Jesus love us? By coming into our world and rebuilding the table of connection with God that was broken with our sins. He gave us what we needed, not what we deserved. And real love and real connection gives someone what they really need. That's why I see it all the time in relationships where two people really love each other, but neither of them feels loved. Two people are really giving love, but it's just not working. And that's because you have to give someone what they need, not what you think they need. Most of the time we give people what we think they need based upon what we know we need. 
We have to give people love in the way they receive love. Now, I've got two tables up here on stage, and I just want you to imagine that I went through all of this effort to prepare and to plan a romantic dinner for my wife, which I probably should do today because it's her birthday, okay? Um, but but I, I, we go through that effort, and I put these planning together, and I say, babe, I just want you to know I spent all of my time preparing for you a sushi meal, okay? Um, and I've this uh, it's the most unrealistic ever thing ever because I have no idea how to prepare sushi, okay? But, but, but I cut all this fish together. I went out and I caught these fish for you, okay, babe? Um, and then I, I steamed the rice in the pressure cooker and I got the seaweed wraps and I got it all together and I know how much you appreciate healthy side dishes and so I've got a salad here for you, babe. And I spend all my time doing research and preparing and talking to the best sushi chefs that are out there and I just, I just have put this dinner together for you because I love you and I just want you to feel my love for you and I'm putting in all this effort, which is wonderful. But then I want you to imagine that there's a wall between these two tables. And the truth is, is that my wife is sitting at this table. And so I come over and I meet her and I say, babe, aren't you feeling so satisfied by all of the preparation and all the love that I've been pouring into our relationship, into this meal? And she says, no, I don't feel satisfied. I feel empty and I feel frustrated, which then makes me feel frustrated. So I'm like, how can you feel frustrated? I've been putting so much effort into our relationship and and I put so much effort into expressing my love for you. And the reality is you can see it so clearly. The reason she feels empty and she feels frustrated is because I'm serving her at the wrong table. I'm not meeting her where she needs me to be. I'm meeting her where I thought I should be. And that's really what Jesus does for us. That's what he showed us is so different. And the way that he loves us is he meets us right where we are. So how do we follow the example of Jesus and learn to love one another? Well, I want you just to imagine with me that there's not two tables up here, but that there's seven tables up here. And one of those tables might be the table that you find yourself sitting at, or maybe you find yourself sitting at multiple tables. But here's some examples of some ways that maybe you feel loved or people around you feel loved, right? First of all, there's the timetable. You're a quality time person. You love it when people are just there for you, when people showed up for you. It meant a lot to you when your parents showed up at your games and activities. It means a lot when you get to go out on that special dinner date or that special time away with your spouse. You just really value time. And if I'm being honest, this is me. This is more often than not the table that I sit at that where I feel most connected and most loved by people is when I get to spend time with them. Now, what's interesting is my wife, the timetable is something that's really high in the way that she feels loved too. But one of the things that we're trying to talk through and work through is, is that we come to the timetable with different expectations. When we come to the timetable, one of the ways that my wife feels loved and we're spending quality time through stuff is that she also brings the verbal table to it where she loves talking through things and she receives affirmation, not just from me telling her I love her and speaking it out loud that I know that so many people need from the verbal table, but, but really it's kind of a combination. We have timetable and she feels loved when we talk things out. Now, what can be interesting is, is that the way that I feel really loved when I'm spending time with my wife is when we say nothing. We just sit there. And then I might bring in the third table, which is the touch table. I like to sit close to her. I like to be near her. I like to be able to put my arm around her. And and I feel that we're good. And I love feeling that we're good when we're able to share the same space, be near to each other, but not have to say a single word. 
That's why I get along with my guy friends so well, right? That we can connect just shooting hoops and never talking about one serious thing, right? But leaving it feeling super connected because we had that time together. And you can see how complex it is. But then I know that for some of you, you're not at the timetable. It's not about spending time or how much people show up in your life. And you're not at the verbal table. You don't need those words of affirmation. And you're really not at the... uh, at the table where you need touch and that's not really something it is. I know that for some of you, that's the case because the part of service that you fear the most is the turn and greet. I've seen it, I've seen it, right? Right after the welcome, it's like, hey, we're gonna turn and greet. Like, who do I touch? Where do I go? I don't know, I'm just gonna drink my coffee, right? Um, it's exposed and it's available to us all around us. But for a lot of you, that's not the tables that you're at. Where you're at is you're at the practical table. You're at the show me table. What makes me feel loved is not about what you say, it's about what you do. And that's what you're looking for, is you're looking for someone who's gonna meet you right where you are. They're gonna be able to do what's practical. You know, I can remember when my wife and I, when we were in the engagement process, and this was really her number one, is being at the practical table, acts of service. And as we were getting, as we were engaged, and all of the stresses that come around preparing a, a, a wedding, And we were in all of the planning and preparation and I came alongside of her and I thought, you know what? I can tell my wife is stressed out. So I'm gonna try to speak the most loving thing that I can to her to try to calm her down. And I just said to her, I said, babe, I know there's so much to do, but I just wanna remind you that even if it's just you, me and the wedding officiant, that's all we need, babe, and it's gonna be great. I felt like I was being so loving and just reminding her that it's just about us until she very lovingly looked at me and she said, the reason I'm so stressed out is because you won't get done the things that I've asked you to get done. And all of a sudden it hit me. I was at the wrong table. I was offering her verbal affirmation. I was, I was trying to spend quality time with her when really the way that I could have showed her that I loved her during that season was just getting some of the things done of making sure that all of my groomsmen had their tuxedos sized and fitted, right? Why is that so hard to get them to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, like why was that such a challenging thing? Like, just go get your sizes, right? But, but it was following through on those things and getting down my invitation list to the number she'd asked me to do, that she was really overwhelmed and stressed and she was asking me, look, I know you tell me that you love me. This is an opportunity to show it and you're not meeting me at that table. And so for some of you, you're at the practical table, but then for some of you, you really sit at the gift table. And it's probably if you're at that table, what I've learned from people who are that way, this is the lowest for me on on my list. I don't really communicate or feel loved by receiving gifts, but I have a sister who sits at the gift table and, and she has really expressed and it has been obvious that the thing that matters to her is that you took the time to think about her. And for so many of you who are sitting at the gift table, it's just the fact that that person took time out of their day to think about something that would matter to you or they were just thinking about you in general and the fact that they brought home flowers or chocolates or something that was special and unique to you that it makes you feel really loved. And then some of you, I know you sit at the opportunity table where you really feel loved is when someone is able to communicate to you, I believe in you and they push you and they challenge you to do something greater, to be something greater than what you already are doing. You loved that coach who challenged you, who got into your face, who, who put the ball in your hands in the last shot and wasn't afraid to really push you in practice. You got behind that. You loved it when coach got under your skin and really showed you what he wanted you to do. You feel so loved when your boss gives you a promotion at work or sets you free or gives you some sort of opportunity that just demonstrates a new level of trust. 
You might have experienced this with your dad that you were so used to going outside and you were the flashlight guy. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you were working on the car and you were the flashlight guy, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. You're, you're 40 years old and you're still the flashlight guy, right? Every time you go out with your dad to do a project, you're just used to being the flashlight guy and you are longing to feel loved by your dad, hoping that one day he'll take the wrench and just put it in your hands and say, you do this project. And you love doing projects with him, but you feel loved when he puts the responsibility in your hands. That's because you sit at the opportunity table. And then for some of you, you might sit at the provider table where you really feel loved is when you know that there is someone who is out there that is working really hard to meet your needs. And the whole principle is, is that you've got to meet people where they are. And if you're at the Atascacita campus right now, I want you to know that Pastor Daniel Williams, his table is the touch table. He loves being hugged. Not really, (laughs) okay? But he needs it, okay? So you walk out in that lobby and you hug his neck, right? And you love him. And then you need to take time to get to know him and find out the way that he feels loved because that's the whole principle. If we don't love people where they are, no matter how much effort we're putting into loving them, we may miss it. And that's why one of the challenges that we need to embrace today is you need to take some time and you need to think, what table are you at? What table are you at? What is it that you've been looking for in some of the relationships that are near and dear to you? And then ask yourself this question. Have you said anything about it? Have you done anything about it? Have you taken the time to communicate to them that you can see the effort that they're putting in, but that they're just missing where you're at? Or are you just holding onto the hurt because you are just so frustrated that you're feeling empty, but your frustration is on you because you have not told them? Take time today. It may mean after service that you need to go to lunch and you need to talk with the people that you love about the ways that, and the things that they do that make you feel loved. And I want you to know that if this has changed for you over time, that's okay. If you're sitting at a different table this week than you were last week, that's okay. You might be moving through the tables based upon the seasons and things that, you're going, that are going on in your life that you're going through right now. But it's critical that if there's a way that you need to be loved, that you also aren't afraid to communicate what table it is that you're at and what it is that you're looking for. And the same way that you're trying to meet people at the table that they're at, we also need to have the humility to confess and to open up about where we are at. And what makes that so hard, what makes connection so hard, what makes it so difficult to end up at the same table and to experience the connection that we were created for is that in order to do that, you have to die to yourself. There's no capacity to be able to experience connection and live in selfishness at the same time. To be completely others-centered, to be completely God-centered means that you have to die to yourself and that's the example that Jesus set for us at the table. He meets us where we are and he's always doing what is loving towards the Father and what is loving towards us. And Jesus for 33 years lived at the table of selflessness and that's what helped us to be able to meet him at the table of connection. That's what we were created for. But if you're going to be able to really experience the joy and the fulfillment that comes from connection, there's some things that you got to be able to do. And the first of which is kind of what we've been talking about already. You have to be able to take notice of the ways that people around you want to feel loved. Jesus was so good about reminding us that God 
takes notice of us and where we are and meets us right where we are. Just listen to what he said in Luke chapter 12, verses six through seven. He says this, are not five sparrows sold for two small coins, Jesus said? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs on your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus reminded them, don't be afraid of what men can do to you. Don't let your life be about trying to constantly think about what people are thinking about you. Know this, that if God finds such value in being able to care for the sparrows, don't you know that he takes notice of what table you're at? Taking notice means dying to yourself. To be able to see and to recognize that someone might not be at the table that you're at and making an effort to go meet them means that you have to try to get outside of your feelings and be able to put on and to be able to take time to process where they are and what they may be feeling. No one is better at that than our Savior but it's what he's called us to mimic. It's what he's called us to be able to come along and to be able to produce from ourselves, to love one another the way that he has loved us. It's difficult to take notice. And when you take notice and you maybe think that, man, Mark, I am doing such a good job. I pay attention and I look at all the things that my kids need and I feel like I'm so connected to my wife's needs. And you know what I wanna be able to challenge you with? You may not be as good as you think that you are. And you may be putting in all this effort and experiencing some frustration in them or in yourself that it's not happening because you're trying to take notice, but you're not following the next important thing, which is to take time to ask and not assume. Ask and don't assume what you think people at table that they're at. One of the things that helps us to be able to experience connection is that we actually talk through it. We really work through and take time to engage them because if you don't, This is what gets us in trouble. This is when we realize that we aren't on the same page. You see, as I was preparing for this message, I actually took the time and walked out and wrote out all the tables and then had my wife, Jenny, sit down and say, I want you to to write out the, 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 the tables that you sit out the most and which one, which one makes you feel the most loved all the way down to the least. And I'm going to sit over here at this table and, and I'm going to write out what I think it is that you enjoy the most. And then we compared list and I was completely wrong. And it was so humbling, but it was so awesome because she got a chance to explain to me why she sits at those tables, what exactly it is that she's looking for from those tables. And most of the things that she was looking for are really simple. We just hadn't talked about it enough. But it was also awesome for me to express to her the things that I had listed as her top three, why I had put those things in those top three, what I felt like she had communicated to me. And in reality, we really kind of came together and saw that there were some truths in both of what we had seen. But you wanna know what was even more important through the asking is that there was a connection that came from just talking about it. And that's what we can get. You see, when Jenny and I first, (laughs) when we first accepted this role at the church, and that's what it is, when you step into ministry, right, you accept it together as a family. And I can remember that when I first started here at the church, when I was the junior high pastor 17 years ago and just cutting my teeth in ministry, one of the things that I learned at Woodland Church is we are always doing ministry. And there is stuff that is popping up all the time and that my calendar was getting full all the time. There was one problem. No matter how much we talked about it at work, I rarely remembered to come home and talk about it with her. 
And so we would be preparing for the day and she'd be able to say, hey, that's great. And then, so are we gonna go out to dinner tonight? And I'd say, oh, oh, forgot to tell you, we've got a student event tonight. And she'd say, oh, okay. And I'd be like, hey, you know, hey, babe, you know, this is, this is the job. I'm so sorry I didn't tell you, but it kind of came up last minute. And sometimes that was true. Sometimes it wasn't, right? I'd just forgotten to tell her. And, and so well, there was this thing of where we weren't communicating. And over time, it began to build this frustration because it was showing her that I just didn't value her and meet her where she needed at the verbal table and the timetable. And so I got smart. And I said to her, babe, my admin loads and populates my calendar constantly. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna get her to add my calendar to your calendar. We're gonna have a shared calendar so you can just see what I'm doing all the time. Fixed it. Now I noticed that none of you are clapping for me. (laughs) And that's probably because you have more wisdom than I have that that isn't what made her feel love. That actually hurt her deeply. I thought I was solving the problem. We'd never have this communication issue again. She said, the reason that we have a communication issue is because you don't talk to me. Don't make me your second admin who's just looking at your calendar. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That probably wouldn't make you feel very loved. We had to talk things out. And I think that's the danger that we have when we're assuming that we can just fix the problem instead of taking time to ask about it. And don't you know that even God who knew everything, Jesus, as he walked the earth, who knew the needs of the people that he came in contact with, understood the value of asking. Do you remember when Jesus came upon the blind man in Luke chapter 18, verse 41? He said this to him, what do you want me to do for you? I think Jesus understood that it was important that the blind man had the opportunity to express what his need was. And if we're longing to connect and to experience love with one another, we have to talk it out. Otherwise, you may find yourself doing what I can tell you a lot of the husbands are guilty of doing in this room. You don't know what your wife's love language is. You don't know what table she's sitting at. And so you take upon what I like to call the sprinkler mode right? And you just are like that sprinkler where you're like, okay, I'm going to try the timetable today. We're going to go out on a date. And it's like, okay, it's not hitting. I'm just going to keep on moving. We're going to try. I'm going to try writing, get stopping and getting her a card. Didn't get the response from that that I wanted. So I'm just going to keep moving. And I'm going to try to do something practical. I'm going to clean the whole house. Oh my gosh, I'm going to clean your car and move. And all of a sudden you're just like, nothing worked. <laughs> and you just keep spraying, right? And you might end up with a yard that looks like mine. Some of the bushes are dead. Some of them are overwatered because you're not directing it where it needs because you're not taking the time to ask. And because you're not willing to ask, you're just spraying all over the place and it's not effective because you're out of alignment. And the reason you're out of alignment is because you're not taking the time to just ask what's going on. Let's not commit to sprinkler love. Let's commit to really being connected. This is a big deal and it requires action. You see, the thing that we begin to learn when we begin to to really look at the importance of asking is what we have to realize what keeps us from doing that is we are trying to break a generational cycle that probably for most of our lives, we've been in a relationship where no one has asked us. It might not have been of what your parents did for you or your grandparents did for them. And someone has got to break the cycle. We have to begin to say, I'm not going to try to love people from the best of my ability because the best love that I can offer is nowhere in comparison to the love that Jesus wants to show my kids. 
The best love that I have to offer my spouse is nothing in comparison to the love that Jesus has for them. And if I'm gonna help them to be connected to that kind of love, then I need to get connected to him and be willing to do the things that are a reflection of his character. I need to ask, I need to try to figure out what it looks like to break the cycle. And breaking the cycle isn't easy because breaking the cycle means that you have to make every relationship not about you. And that's what is so challenging because for somehow what begins to infiltrate our culture and our societies, we begin to believe that autonomy is the goal. What begins to make and bring fulfillment into my life is when I'm able to self-govern myself. It's when I get to do things the way that I want to do them. And the truth is, is that autonomy is what kills connection. It is why so many of your teenagers are struggling to feel connected to their parents is because we have convinced ourselves that when we're going to really be able to experience fulfillment is when we just get to do what we wanna do without mom and dad's approval without having to experience connection with them and walking through it together, we become convinced, you probably as well, that what real fulfillment is, is through autonomy. But autonomy kills connection. And then you might have grown and you became a single adult and you're trying to figure out what it now looks like to relate to your parents of, and to your family and people who are loved. And you're still in that train of where you are just trying to live your best life and hope that if you get to go do all the things that you can imagine your heart to do, that you will experience fulfillment. And yet you know that somewhere in your heart, you're empty because it's not about autonomy. And maybe you've met that person and you've gotten married and then you begin to have kids and you begin to believe that where you're gonna experience fulfillment now that you've got this child that you're now raising is gonna be able to say, I gotta prove to mom and dad that I can do it. And you're keeping your kid to yourself and you're believing that I'm gonna show them how much, you know, how good that I am by through my autonomy, raising this kid the way that I think that I should. You are killing connection. Let your parents in on helping raise your kids. It's not about you. It is killing connection with your kids and it's killing connection with your parents. And it is one of the things that I see over and over and over again, the mistake that young couples make thinking that the way they're gonna prove their worth to society is by them raising the perfect kid. No, we raise kids together God's way. Letting them see church and letting families in and being a part of that. But then what's funny is, is that I know I've seen it, right? Then you become the grandparent. And you begin to believe that what connection looks like is you continuing to hold on to your autonomy. And for some of you who are grandparents, the things that you're now beginning to hold on to is you're starting to revert back to being a teenager and trying to hold on to your autonomy. And you're so afraid of losing the keys or losing your freedoms. It's not about your freedoms, it's about connection. And whatever it takes to be able to sit at that table of connection with your kids and have hard conversations about what it looks like and what love looks like today, we've got to have the conversations. It is time to break the cycle. And how do you break the cycle? There's only one thing, humility. Just listen to what Jesus said. It's really a powerful thing as we continue to, to look through this as he was speaking to his disciples and to the crowds that were around him. He said, don't you know that the greatest among you will be your servant? For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You wanna experience connection? You wanna be able to break the cycle? Stop trying to parent or to raise your kids the way that your parents raised you and stop trying to raise your kids by thinking that the right way to raise them is raising them not the way that they raised you. And break the cycle by humbling yourself and let's learn to love the people around us together. Let's be a church. Let's be connected. 
And no matter how good you've gotten that love, and I know for a lot of you, you've, done, you've gotten really good and you've humbled yourself and you're learning. But don't you know that the way that we break the cycle is by admitting to ourselves that we have a lot to learn? And how do we learn? We learn in a life group. We learn by being committed to being connected to one another. That's why we push you so hard and challenge you so much to keep learning and to keep being committed to being in a group together where we're able to share out, pour out our hearts and talk about the things that God's teaching us. I was able to go over this with my life group last night and it was so awesome to get to hear from them the ways that they've met each other at the wrong tables, mistakes that they've made, ways that God has really challenged them and met them where they are. And each of us was encouraged as we committed to continue to learn and to realize that none of us have got it all together. But we serve a God who loves us perfectly. And the best thing that we can do for our kids, the best thing that we can do for our parents, the best thing that we can do for the people in our lives who we want to be connected to is to commit to learning. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 15. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. He said this as he was washing the disciples' feet. You are watching me humble myself and get down and wash your feet. You wanna be able to live at the table of connection? Get down, humble yourself, ask the questions that need to be asked and break the cycle. Take notice of the fact that you aren't perfect, but that you want to be connected. And how are we gonna get there? In every one of our lives, in every relationship that isn't where we know that it should be or we want it to be. It's gonna come from us being willing to change our perspective and be able to follow the example of Jesus Christ and get down and humble ourselves. And so I'm gonna challenge you. If you are not in a family dinner group, if you haven't signed up for that, if you have not committed to hosting a life group or joining a life group, you need to do that today because we need to experience connection. We were built for connection and you need people in your life who are gonna challenge you to love your kids God's way, who are gonna challenge you to love your wife God's way, who are gonna challenge you to continue to love your family and your parents with Thanksgiving on the horizon God's way to continue to commit to selflessness. You need to be in a life group. And if you just need to walk out into the lobby and meet our life group team out there and say, I heard it, God convicted me today. What are the steps I need to take? Then just do that. But let's break the cycle and let's commit to learning together. And what do we learn? We learn in a life group. And why should we be so committed to doing this? Because the end goal is that we just want to experience Christ's love. You know that's what you were created for, and I know that's what you were created for. I know that's what I was created for. I want to experience intimacy, but intimacy is hard. Connection is hard. Being at the table and serving at the right table and meeting people where they are is hard. It constantly challenges us to die to ourselves, to get out of what I'm feeling and constantly be engaged with how other people may be feeling around me. But why is this so important that we learn to do this? Because there is a very powerful verse in scripture that communicates how the love that we have for each other can change people's eternities. Just listen to 1 John chapter 4, 12. It says this, no one has ever seen God not your kids, not your coworkers, not even you. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
Are you searching for fulfillment? It comes from learning to love at the table of connection the way that God loves you. It comes from experiencing the fulfillment of learning to love one another. And for some reason, God has declared that when we love one another the way that he loves us, that is how people realize that God loved them and laid down their life for them too, and that God's love is available for them. In other words, when we love each other well, it changes people's eternities. It's what opens up their hearts and their minds to the fact that God's love that he shared on the cross for us is real and it's for them as much as it was for you. We've got to get this right. We've got to break the cycle. The problem is that oftentimes we find ourselves running from table to table. I remember being 17 years old and my dad and I's relationship was not in a good place, mostly to my own faults. There were things that I was hiding. There was things that I couldn't figure out. I had hormones that were going on that I just couldn't figure out how to be able to express love. I was uncomfortable. I was dealing with this process of trying to think about what it was to be a man, was to live my life my way, the way that I wanted to. And I watched as my dad did what a loving father should do. My dad started chasing me from table to table. He would come and he'd say, I'm gonna show up at your sporting events. Hey, let's go spend time with each other. And I remember there was one time when we were at home and I was busy doing my own thing that wasn't important. My dad said, hey, I want you to stop what you're doing and we're gonna go on a walk together. You, me, and your sister, we're just gonna go walk. I wanna spend time with you. I can tell that we aren't connected. I think is what he was saying. Let's go spend time. And I remember just being like, God, you, I, what I was doing was important. And so we went out on the walk and to prove to my dad that I was not about to meet him at that table and he was wrong and we were at the wrong table. As he walked with my sister, I made a point just to walk 10 steps behind them. What an idiot I looked like. But that's where my heart was. And then my dad said, I'm gonna meet you at the touch table. And he would come and he would try to hug me and he would try to embrace me. And I had the teenager dodge ready to go all the time just jerking away from him and being like, oh, don't touch me, dad. Oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Even though I knew I longed to be loved from my dad, I was confused. And so my dad just continued to pursue me and I kept running from him. So then he began to try to speak words of affirmation to me and I would just push them away. He would try to be an encouragement to me. He would try to give me opportunity. He would try to show me that he loved me by doing things for me. And I just kept running from table to table to table. And then at some point, I don't know what happened, but I'm just gonna tell you, and I hope that this happens in every teenager, but I hope it happens in your heart today. At some point, something broke in me. And the Lord just spoke into my heart. And for the, one of the first times in my life, I felt a very clear, distinct nudge from the Holy Spirit that said, Mark, stop making your dad chase you and go meet him in the ways that he has asked you to love him. And even at 17 years old, with all the immaturities that I carried, I knew that what God was telling me to do was to listen. And my dad had always made it clear about what it was as to how I could show him that I loved him. It was simply through obedience at that time. And so I made a commitment in my heart with every faith that I had that I was gonna stop fighting my dad and I was gonna obey and listen to the things and and submit to the oppressive boundaries that he had, like being home by 11. (laughs) And I stopped fighting him and I started opening up and I started being able to communicate and talk back to him in all the ways that he had. And it was difficult to get those things out. And I started trying to be honest with him about my sin struggles and things that were going on in my life. And when I was out past curfew, instead of making him have to discover it, I began to bring it to him and submit and lay it at his feet and meet him at the tables that he had asked me to meet him at. 
And oh my God, how our relationship changed. And I do not take the Lord's name in vain. I bring praise to his name because how he transformed our relationship. My dad was chasing me from table to table to table, just like God has been chasing many of you from table to table to table. And he is longing to experience connection with you. Stop running. And if maybe for some of you, you know you've been running. For some of you, you just discovered it. Would you just stop and not only let yourself be loved, but meet him at the place that he has said communicates our love to him. Just humble yourself and let him love you and let your life be about learning to love others the way that he loves you. Would you let me pray for us? God, we love you. God, I pray for every person in this room who may have never have received you as their Lord and Savior who has never allowed what you did for us at the practical table when you laid down your life for us on the cross to be the thing that transforms their life forever. God, I pray that they would just be able to take time to reflect upon the fact that you have been chasing them, that you love them, that you want to meet them right where they are, right here, right now. God, I pray that they would have the humility and the courage to simply open up their heart and receive you as their Lord and Savior in this moment. To say, I let your love in. I accept what you did on the cross as being enough for me. And God, I pray for every person in this room who has already received you as their Lord and Savior, that they wouldn't be afraid to ask you for what it is that they need, but that God, that you would also help us to have the courage to step out and to do the things that you have said, demonstrate our love for you to obey your commandments, to love one another, to humble ourselves and to seek to sit at the table of where people around us are sitting instead of demanding that they meet us where we are. That we would take that serious and that we would let you be the firm foundation in every relationship. That we'd be able to fall back upon one fact, that we know that we are loved even when we don't feel it, that we would allow ourselves to be connected based upon what we know to be true, that we would commit to continuing to do what is right because we love you. And no matter what we feel, we want that to be spoken loud and clear. You are our firm foundation and we love you. And we are gonna learn to love one another in a way that honors you. Change us, teach us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.